Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. Check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code UNDERMINE for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code UNDERMINE for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Osiris. Tom Marshall here. Welcome to Undermine Season 4, Episode 16. I'll be your tour guide, your fish tour guide, as we continue to set the flux capacitor for a total of 25 stops along Fish 1.0 history. Yes, the time known colloquially as the 1990s. We are counting down or up, depending on your view, to Fall 97, the tour when fish destroyed America. We'll be discussing every Fall 97 show on its anniversary and in the meantime, you can catch our new Undermine episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We're glad to have you on this ride with us, and we hope that you play along at home by listening to these fish shows alongside the corresponding episode. We will always tweet the show date a couple days in advance if you want to beat the spoilers here. Or even just read the set list. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram to get the scoop. As you can see, if you're watching this on YouTube... My co-host for today is fellow Undermine executive producer and New York Times best-selling author, Benji Eisen. Hi, Benji. Hi, Tom. Uh, I don't know why I said it like that. I think because Tom. <laughs> yes, um, yes, Tom. And for those those aren't uh, those who aren't watching on YouTube, Tom has a major Tom 
major shirt on. <laughs> so um, today, Tom, we are talking about December 14th, 1995, Broome County Arena, Binghamton, New York. Another one of those shows, you know, I, I'm not one of these dates guy where if you give me a date, I'll have to be like, what city was that? But 12, 14, 95, I immediately know it's Binghamton, New York. And, you know, I'll scratch my head if you ask me what I just had for lunch over here right now. <laughs> but mention December 14th, 1995. I can tell you where where I parked. I can tell you how I, I, I almost lost my ticket in the snow on the way in. And I even remember where I was standing inside the venue on the GA floor. It was um, a massive night in many ways. It was in the middle of a blizzard. And when I say blizzard, it also physically, I mean, literally a blizzard, but also there was that blizzard that is fall 95 fish, specifically December. It's one of all of our favorite months of fish. And we are going to be discussing that today with another friend of ours who is there. But first, Tom, we got to take care of some business. If you've been enjoying, and by you, I mean everyone listening, if you've been enjoying this season of Undermine, then please consider subscribing to Osiris Premium on Apple. You'll get ad-free podcasts, bonus episodes, and apparently more. Okay, Tom, tell us about our guest today. All right, we're excited to have David Steinberg on today. David is also known by the letters ZZYZX, and he took Zizix as the nickname of his fish persona, which involves glitter, a hat, and cape, and a clipboard, and a pen. Zizix is actually the weird name of a road in a California desert that David passes on his way from Seattle to virtually every fish show he attends. David has been seeing fish since 10-28-89 and was awarded the title The Timer by the band because he was infamous for timing every show with a, every song with a stopwatch and taking notes on his clipboard. He would stand in the front row and he was disconcerting to Trey and, and the band. Um, and at one point he was even banned from the front row, but uh, we're not going to get into that, I don't think, tonight. Um, I did interview him on Under the Scales. But anyway, he's been a key member of the fish community for as long as there's been a fish community, contributing and compiling super val valuable statistics about the shows and songs you can find on his uh, on the fish stats page. He's got, uh, just Google fish stats. And uh, he volunteers his time as an important member on the board of the Mockingbird Foundation. Ladies and gentlemen, the man beneath the cape, Mr. David Steinberg. Hi, ZZYZX or Zizix. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. Great greetings to see you. Seattle. Yeah, greetings from Seattle. Yes, another West Coaster. Benji's on the West Coast and I'm holding up the, uh, I'm balancing the map over here in New Jersey. Um, David, before we get started, I've known you for a long time and I don't think I've ever asked you this before. Do you still bring the clipboard and the stopwatch to shows? I know you wear the cape. Um, yes, I I try to, sorry, a cat in the way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I do, except for in Vegas last year when security decided that a clipboard was a massive security concern and took it away from my possession, which did not make me particularly happy. And I ranted at them on Twitter nonstop for like a week. And uh, tell tell the good outcome of that. Okay, so uh, what well, the thirtieth? 
I'm sitting at my seat and I get a message from, um, well, from Jason. I wouldn't sure if I should mention his name, but I'll see why not. Asking me, we have a friend in common, so he got my number and he asked me if um, I was inside. He needed to talk to me. And this so is I thought a fish was, manager. Fish yeah. manager. Yep. I thought it was going to be a look, dude. We get that you they take your clipboard away. Stop complaining so much. <laughs> like, a, yes, I'm inside. Like, can you meet me at the floor? So I walked down to the the railing. So I was in the 100 level, and he hands me. I, I first thought they got my old clipboard, but no, he hands me a new clipboard. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, cool, that's sweet. And about the walk, they said, no, turn it over. And there's a really sweet message on the back and signed by all four band members. You know, um, everyone recognizes you, David, uh, especially the band. Um, I, I mentioned like a, about you being banned from the front row at one point, or he maybe even banned from fish shows briefly. Uh, but, but never from uh, shows, just the front okay. row. Okay. <laughs> and uh, the band realized their mistake because uh, you are a contributor; you're not a taker. And um, also, I do want to say. Um, uh, before we get started, I have to say that David, like my esteemed co-host Benji, uh, who wrote Deal about Bill Kreutzmann, um, is also a famous author. Well, at least famous in the fish scene, right? <laughs> Having written a book all about fish summer uh, 94 tour. Yes. And it's called This Has All Been Wonderful, a tour memoir from summer 1994. Check it out. David, I know we're catching you for a 1995 show, but I wanted to mention your book since you said... Mm -hmm that this is the year Fish became Fish, but then you also said it about this 95 show. So maybe Fish becomes Fish every year. <laughs> well, this 95 show, to some degree, feels more... Like, they were going from, like, starting around 91-ish through 95, they were kind of progressing down a certain way. Or up. Uh, well, yeah, they were, they were going down <laughs> a path. I and mean, yes, it was getting better every year. Yeah, it really was. And... 90 some 95s go off there starting fall 94 summer 95 they all start doing these long extended space type jams but this show this show feels to some degree more like a more like a 94 kind of kind of show the jams are out there but they're not way way out there for 50 minutes and they go in and out of songs a lot and one thing i was thinking since this is the path to summer 97 the theme of this season yeah. Is that 95 does to some degree feel like maybe they pushed that as far as they could. And now what? That's, and, uh, go on. No, go on. I was just going to say that's, uh, that's a, a really interesting, uh, you know, um, revelation because you know, as you just said, we, we're, we're kind of painting the scene for fall 97 by, by revisiting these shows. And, you know, our previous episode focused on Hershey PA from December 1st. Uh, so just the fact that, you know, from our list, the two out of 25 comes from this month says something. And Live Fish, the, uh, you know, the Live Fish subscription service, I think that they have four from this month as well. So, you know, do you agree, David, about the, the legend of December 95? You know, why is it such a revered month of fish? What, what makes it so great? It's... Well, 93, 94 are my favorite years of fish. You could argue that 95 is the best year of fish in that every aspect of the band is there and it's there really strong. Trey is still at his peak machine gun style playing, 
they're, they're nailing the compositions. They have opened their um, set list up a lot. They still have the humor, as even this show demonstrates in parts. And But they also have started doing the jams. It's like any aspect you'd want from Fish is there. And December 95, really, I've only got to see two shows this month, and they both were great. One of them may be, been the best show I've ever seen. So, so this month you, you this month you only saw one other. Uh, what other shows did you attend this whole tour? Um, I saw the weird Northwest run that started off. I had just moved to Seattle. Unfortunately, I, well, I'm glad I moved to Seattle, but I had just moved to Seattle at a bad time for fish. In that they were playing all these great shows, and I was just starting a new career, so I couldn't fly everywhere the way I was driving everywhere in '94. Right. So I got to see the Seattle, Portland, Vancouver, uh, Spokane, Missoula shows in October, which if we're saying December 95 is a peak month, if we've got to be honest, October 95 was a fish month, but not a peak fish month. Gotcha. The shows weren't bad, but they weren't on this level. Gotcha. This was, um, so, you know, we, all, the, all the people who watch fish nowadays are so used to the internet and stuff, but this was... Just after rec.music.fish formed and Benji was doing the, the digest, but this was still long before Twitter updates gave us the set list in real time. And how did you keep up on the on the fish tour since you now were kind of on the left coast and fish was usually playing over on the right? I mean, I'd read the set list and you would occasionally get tapes. I mean, there were tape trees and things like that. But to be honest, I, I had not actually heard 121495 until mm-hmm. 2001. They were when released as a live fish. So, Live Fish zero one actually, the very first one. Yeah, the, it was the very first Live Fish release, which also says something about this show. And in my memory, there was an epic snowstorm on the way in. I remember driving down the throughway, which I I thought we were we were scared that they were going to close it off. And I remember like uh, I just remember it it being a little hairy on the way in. And by the by the time that I got there to the venue, it was just enough time for you know for us to park the car and run inside and take our take up our positions. Do you remember in your show going experience from that night? Was there any type of scene present at the show? What, what I was, was not, your? I was not, I was not at the show. Oh, you weren't at the show. No. <laughs> um. Here we we continue then with, with more guests. <laughs> so, this is recurring theme on Undermine. I will tell you that there's a snowstorm on the way in. <laughs> we, uh, Benji and I have um, uh, through, uh, and this is exactly the same thing, through sometimes misunderstanding or, or a tiny bit of miscommunication, we've been catching people that have seen a show directly before or directly after, but the show we're talking about that Benji and I are going on about and assuming that our guest has seen that's not the case. So again, we, we, we yeah. I, unfortunately, I cannot give firsthand experience. However, this show, you know, I'll tell a little story that I, I first heard it in two thousand one as when it got released, and it was because it got released in September two thousand one. This literally was the first bit of material I listened to when I finally turned off the nine eleven coverage, and finally said, "No, I can't do this anymore. Uh, I need something happier." Wow. And so it ended up being a very important, I listened to this nonstop for a week afterwards, so. 
Well, that's great. And that gives us our next segue, which is, you know, we since you weren't there uh, in person, it leaves us to talk about what really matters. And that's the music. You know, it really, you know, stands the test of time, Ollie, because who cares about the snowstorm on the way in, you know, <laughs> or the, that it was a, it was, a, you know, a, a venue in, in Binghamton, New York. It, it's the music that, that uh, stands the test of time. And there's a lot about it to talk about. Uh, we're going to give all the listeners at home the special gift of a commercial break. <laughs> and when we come back, uh, we'll get to the other side of that intentional cliffhanger. And we are back. Did your eyes feel heavy and your nose light? Yeah, me neither. We're here today with the special undermine special guest, David Steinberg. David, let's talk music. The first set opened with a Susie Greenberg. Was that an unusual opener? And what first set highlights followed? You know, it feels like it shouldn't be an unusual opener, but I looked it up, and that's actually the only time that Susie Greenberg opened a 1995 show. <laughs> <laughs> it closed a lot of first sets, but didn't really open any. So yes, it was an unusual opener. Yeah, it's you, something you, it's something we're used to seeing in the first set, but you're right, not right in the beginning. You looked it up, I imagine, on your own uh fish stats page. You know, from a statistician standpoint, statistician statistician standpoint, uh, does anything on the set list stand out to you from from that angle of it? Uh, yes, this was the final um, keyboard army until um, Dick's 2015. Wow. So thank you. That was a fall 95 song, and then they abandoned it afterwards until they needed a K. I, I don't know if you guys... Uh, so Acoustic Army, it has that alliteration. And then I thought it was Keyboard Cavalry. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I always called it at the time. But... Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that didn't stick. So, so the set and list, the set list police agrees with Keyboard Army. Uh, yes, that is the <laughs> official title. I, uh, I, I call a bell and just I have too many hand labeled cassettes with Keyboard Calvary on them for me to go back and relabel. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna, to get uh, back to um, first set highlights. Yes, what really stuck out to me. And I think it's one of these moments that really shows what makes Fish special, even in the world of jam bands, is the split open and melt. Mm. Because it's one of these things, if you somehow managed to get a recording of this tape and had Trey just cut out of it completely during the jam, <laughs> which I actually would love to hear one day, even though I love what Trey's doing, don't get me wrong. But there's so much going on with Mike and Paige and Fishman. Yeah. It's like they keep hitting the same space, but every single time it's slightly different. There's, that weird, there's that weird rest. It. There's that weird rest, right? Yeah, and it, but the, every single passage, it's like Fishman slightly varies his drum beat or Mike changes his bass line. Wow. And then at the very end of it, they're so, this is the point, 95, they were just so in tune with each other. And that's the thing, they, they jam by listening to all four of them. They all, they're all co-equals. And so they always are constantly listening. At the very end of this melt, it gets quieter and quieter. <laughs> so they try to figure out just how little can we still play and still have it be split up in the melt. So first, <laughs> there's like three or four bass lines and the do, do, do. And then there's like, like, 
a little tiny bit of page, and then Fishman just hits the snare drum, the kick drum three times, kick, doot, doot, and then there's nothing, and a very quiet kick, 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 and then there's nothing at all, except for like <laughs> one page fill in the middle of the, of, of, of the phrase, and then suddenly, boom, back to the end. So they're all listening, even though there's nothing to hear. And they've got impeccable um, rhythm and timing or whatever it's called so that they know where they are in the song, whether there's music instruments happening or not. It's incredible. And, you know, even though there was a tweezer in the show and a, and a jammed out Haley's Comet, I remember after the show getting in the car with my friends, the split open and melt was what we talked about. I, I believe that. I mean, it still has all the energy of the early period. That's why that's I was saying. This is kind of where they may have hit a bit where they had to refigure for 97. It has all the energy, but also this, this unique spin. And also that fish moment of, I mean, this is 95. Jerry just died. The band's playing much larger venues. People are like, do I want to see this other band? I don't know. And instead of trying to change their sound or try to do something very crowd, obvious crowd appeal, they play a little joke that only the four of them really are getting. And people who really know the song well, and they're like, you know what? This is what we're going to do. If you like it, keep coming back. If you don't, we don't care. Well, I mean, I'm sure they care a little bit. Still, so this is, <laughs> we're going to do what we're going to do. Yeah. yeah. And that's just defined their career in so many ways. It's one of the things I love about them. And clearly people kept coming back for more because of that, <laughs> which was amazing. Do you, um, did you ever get a sense, and I don't know really how to, how to quite define this, but um, you know, and I've never really been a set list student, but when we've, Benji and I have been talking and RJ and I have been talking with people about 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, and it seems like the highlight for those early 90s stuff always tends to be focused around mics. However, these days, and I'm talking current days, the 2000s, 3.0, 4.0, whatever we're in, um, it's often tweezer um, and and you just mentioned split open and melt. It did. Did the focus switch start switching to other songs away from Mike's right around now? Um, there were a few songs that always. I mean, Mike's was always one of them, and there were always the group people who always wanted the harpo and, and didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> what were you chasing? I was one of the people who was always looking for the harpo and didn't get it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I got some. I, mean, I, I got a bunch, but I was all. It was always yeah. Well, speaking of tweezer, how do you rank uh, this tweezer compared to tweezers at the time? It's kind of its own little world in that it doesn't have. It's not extended. It's again, it's not like a forty-five minute. You know, it's not going to be Tahoe Tahoe length or anything. Right. But it does two things that I love. One is. It's got that um, timber right in the middle of it. And timber, again, was a song that just came back in um, summer 95. It had, it had been played once in the 90s before them at uh, 12, 30, 92. Before then, it was a cover they did in the 80s, abandoned, and then brought back summer 95. And it was played really commonly on this tour, like more than it probably has been in its entire career. And they really had it down. And so another thing, if you listen to that timber, it's six minutes and every single time they play it, they keep that same energy, they keep that same space, but it's different every single time. And it's amazing. <laughs> but then that second tweezer, and I actually have the timings because this is who I am. If you're listening to it, it goes into like this little funk type jam, like a 95 um, foreshadowing. 
And then around 206 in, John just singles a, a faster drum beat. And by 208, immediately, all four band members have completely changed what they're doing. They're always listening so well. And then they go to a completely different place and they're playing with that and they're all listening. They, at 308, I think is why I have it, at 306, Trey kind of does this little sound. It's like the audio equivalent. You know, if you're watching a movie, they do like a screen wipe. Trey makes kind of what that would sound like. <laughs> and the band takes as a hint. And again, all four of them immediately switch to something else just as fast, but a completely different space, all four members. And if they have this connect, their connection at that point, they're like, it's like talking to twins and they're finishing each other's sentences. They could just drop like the slightest hints. And like one thing I was saying is that it's kind of like if like some bands are playing b baseball or football, they were doing more like a hockey kind of thing where it's more. <laughs> this is like, you know, I was listening to this morning and I came up with the analogy, like some bands, it's like, okay, here's the, here's Joe solo. Here's Sarah solo. That's like baseball. Everyone gets like their turn. Right. There's like football, like, like that's like the Trey band would be like football, which is like you have a bunch of people who are supporting this and one or two stars who are using that support to do something. But with fish, it's just flowing constantly. It's like, <laughs> I, yeah. And and you get a few slap shots. <laughs> yeah. And but like the thing is you can't you can't ever tune out. You can't ever like say, I'm not gonna pay attention for a few minutes, kind of know where it's going. Cause suddenly, you know, Mike can pass the puck, you know, and clear it out to the mid section. Um, what is it? The center of blue line. I'm sorry. I'm not the best hockey person. <laughs> I get cleared out. The, the two line pass. But that's yeah. also why it's so important with Fish that, that, you know, more than most concerts, why I think, you know, giving them your full attention and not talking through a jam and all that is so important because every, you miss five seconds, you, you miss, you could miss a play. Yes, it just because it, it happens out of nowhere. Suddenly, like they're doing a little function, and all of a sudden, like, wait, where did that come from? And all four band members, yet you can't just zoom in on one person. You have to pay attention to all four because they're all constantly doing things. It, it sounds to me like you're describing uh, much of what I love about this entire month of Fish. I mean, much about what I love about Fish overall, period, over their entire career. But December 95, they really were passing that puck back and forth, you know, a, a lot. And they were just they 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 were working as a team in a way that, that, that you know, really solidified. And, and they took it to the next level. And they were it was it was an undefeated month of fish. Can you uh, put the show in context for December 95 shows? I mean, how do you rank it? I know that, it, you know, as we mentioned, it was the very first live fish release. So obviously. There's, uh, you know, it, it has that honor to it, but uh, where do you where do you put this with other December '95 shows? I mean, I put it way up there. For me, this is close to a perfect show. I'm always a fan of those. Like fish have like the structure and the chaos. I'm always a fan when they flip back and forth. They don't get too far into the structure. They don't jam at all. They don't get too far into the jams that there's no songs, but where they keep on transitioning back and forth where like the, the song flows into the jam and the jam flows into the next song and they, they have this back and forth going. And this set's so good that like the, the timber in the middle of the Haley's, or not, sorry, in the tweezer, and the Haley's coming out of it and then the Haley's having that jam. Benji, uh, I was just going to say, Benji and, and David, so it took us to get to episode 16 before I found a show that I consider pretty much perfect. Like David said, I've loved all the other shows. And, and, and as you guys know about me, I don't really do a whole lot of re-listening. That's not kind of not my thing. 
Um, this show is, you guys both described it, and it's, it's perfect fish. Second set is unbelievable. It's just an unbelievable second set. It's, it's incredible. And, and what a great, uh, you know, what a great guest to help us describe it. Uh, David, thank you so much. I think if you look at your stopwatch, which you're good at, you probably see that we're about to hit our mark, which is 30 minutes. Uh, Benji, anything else before we close? Um, no, I mean, this has been great. It's, it's been great. Uh, I, I hope that everybody listening at home has been doing what you and I have been doing, Tom, and what our guests have been doing as well, which is we have been re-listening. I know that it's tough for you, but <laughs> but you've got, you've got, I mean, you have to admit you've listened to some really incredible fish the past few weeks. Unbelievable. And yeah. Unbelievable. And and I have too, you know, as much as, uh, you know, of a fish fan as I, as I define myself as being, I don't go back and listen to old fish a lot because I've, I've done that ad nauseum, you know, and now I'm always want to hear what's new, but going back and listening and revisiting these shows uh, have been, it's been a joy. And this particular show, you know, from a month that I, I just put behind, uh, I put it behind glass in a museum or something, you know, (laughs) hold it up. It's just, it's incredible. And this show is just, as you, as both of you said, it was impeccable. And cool that you were there, Benji. In, in the, the middle of a snowstorm. I listened to the show four times in the last two weeks leading up to this podcast. Oh, thank and you. And my plan for tonight is to listen to it again. Because I like this <laughs> really so much. I think it's a good plan. I, I drive, um, I have this uh, uh, strange drive between domiciles that's exactly an hour. And I'm going to queue up the second set right at the right at the beginning of the drive. I'm so excited. And uh, off to do that very soon. So um, why don't we, uh, I think we I, want I will, I will say right before I wrap up that what, what I was getting at with, with listening to these shows, I hope that the listeners, you know, we tweet um, what show it's going to be that we're going to focus on a few days before the episode airs. And then, of course, Fall 97, there's no surprises. It's Fall 97 and where we're going to do every single show. So I, I encourage everyone, if you don't have the time to listen to the entire show, then maybe you can listen to some of the highlights that we talked about. But uh, the hope is that maybe you listen to, to that in advance so that when we talk about it, you know exactly what we're talking about and we can kind of just add some color commentary to the play-by-play. Yep. And uh, David... Really fun to have you on, and it's always fun to poke a little fun at you uh, on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I, I love doing it, and I always get an a intelligent uh, response, and, and so I'm going to keep doing it. Um, thank you to my co-host, Benji Eisen, and our fellow executive producers, RJP and Matt Dwyer. And thank you to everyone out there in podcast land. If you like us, come back for more. Remember to review and subscribe wherever you listen or watch. We'll see you in a few days, and until then... Blaze onward. Osiris. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear. 
the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments. The ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember. The ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.